Hi, this is Kate. And I'm Amy. And welcome Welcome to the Hush My Mouth podcast. Hi. Here we are again. What's going on with you this week? The usual work. It's goal planning because if you're a fiscal year company, you always have to make goals. And I feel like the longer you're at a company, the less exciting that becomes. You know, like in your first year, you're really excited about goal setting. Oh, I'm going to do this. And I'm coming up on year five. And I'm pretty much like, well, whatever. You know, just. <laughs> what did we do last year? What do you want me to do? <laughs> just tell me and I'll do it. But uh, other than that, we celebrated the oldest's birthday on Friday. 24. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Well, that is exciting. <laughs> did he come home? I mean, I assume he yes. Did. Yes. Uh, the whole fam and the mom. So, yes. Party of five. <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, it always works out. Because, you know, when the older your kids get, then it's harder to get everybody's schedules to align yeah. uh, the moons properly. So um, it and worked out. And to get them excited about it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so we always have fun when the circus is together. You know, 24, it's not like a magical birthday. So you don't do anything. <laughs> But, uh, well, I'm excited about it for him. Okay, good. How about you? <laughs> so we went back to school Woo-hoo! this week, which was big doings around here. And my kids are involved in new activities. So that's been fun getting that started and just, yeah. you know, figuring out what they need. And, um, now are they excited about the start of school? I know parents are always excited about well, the start of school. Well, I think it's varies per kid uh-huh. and some days are better than others. <laughs> So you take what you get in the morning, but they all, but you know, they went and they went back the second day. So that's success in my book. (laughs) I guess as long as you can get get it, there's no tears. Yes. No, we did not have any tears this year, which was nice. But, um, yeah. And then my youngest daughter, she is doing drill team. Okay. So that was a little bit of a, um, a difference as far as like picking out the first day outfit. Because that was decided for her. Oh, okay. Which I think she's excited about drill team, but she's not as excited about being told what she has to wear. Oh. (laughs) Do they wear their drill team outfit on like game days or something? Is that it? I think they do, but then they also have like matching, you know, t-shirts and tank tops and skirts and stuff that they wear to school on certain days. I see. So, and I remember because I cheered in high school Uh that that was annoying sometimes you know when you wanted to wear what you wanted to wear and you had to wear a a uniform that day or whatever I'm happy to report that they did not make us wear marching band uniforms during school (laughs) uh, which was good because it was bad enough we had to wear them uh, (laughs) on the field on the field (laughs) if I had to sit in that polyester all day long uh, there might have been fights okay (laughs) (laughs) we're going to talk a little bit about true crime True crime. True crime. <laughs> um, we love crime, uh, not committing it. Uh, we love just the fascination of why people do what they do. We kind of started this obsession way back in college uh, with uh, our majors. Internship, we both interned at a juvenile detention facility. We sure did. Which could be a podcast all in itself. For um, sure. There's lots of great stories from those kids. Um, And then I know I went into kind of a life of criminal justice uh, from one thing to another. So I love doing it as a career as well. Um, But there's definitely some really interesting folks out there uh, doing crazy things. For sure. And unfortunately, 
the well never runs dry yeah. when it comes to true crime. You, so what have you been looking at? What have you been well, fascinated I mean, with lately? Like you said, I think we both, you know, in school were interested in, I mean, my degree is in sociology. I think you, did you have a double major? I did. I doubled in psychology. I started in psychology because it seemed like a good idea. And then I added sociology once I found the crime world and all those classes were in sociology. So I just added it. It was easy to do it that way. Yeah. So, I mean, I, my interest in it started way before that, obviously. But then whenever I started taking sociology at tech and, um, you know, really got into more like the academic study of it, then my interest just got deeper. But even before that, well, like when I was a kid, you know, I think I watched Unsolved Mysteries oh, and, yes. you know, anything that I could sneak and watch, you know, when yeah. my parents weren't paying attention. When, um, when I was really little, um, I used to live in England. My dad was in the Air Force and they had this, horrific show that I do not recommend to anyone (laughs) and it wasn't true crime but it was called Hammer House of Horrors oh my gosh (laughs) it was very British and very bloody (laughs) I don't even know I I must have only been like eight or nine maybe ten at the most (laughs) what I was thinking that didn't frame you whatsoever (laughs) but it just fascinated me because I think before that like I never really thought about people doing bad things it just wasn't really part of my world when you're a little kid like that you just don't think about stuff like that no um and then I do remember at some point the Adam Walsh story yes And being aware of that, I don't really remember exactly how old I was, but again, I was young, having that realization that, you know, bad things can happen even to kids. I remember that being the thing that kind of stuck out as a child. I believe it was 1981 that he was killed, but Mm -hmm. it stuck out because it became such a national, like, you know, keep in mind that was back before social media and 24 hour news circuits. Um, But, you know, I remember my mom particularly you know, shopping became a different experience. Right. You know, parents really didn't think about, oh, you want to be left here in the toy section while I go off and shop. That was just taken for granted. Mm-hmm. And now we wouldn't even dream of leaving our kids in unsupervised. Right. Um, in a store. Um, and it kind of stemmed from that experience because yeah. that's exactly, you know, how he was abducted. I remember um, the schools at that time had even put out like a safe, you could get like a some kind of like safe sticker for your house. Yeah. I just remember having conversations with my mom about, you know, if someone ever tries to, you know, those stranger danger conversations that never happened before. No, I mean, it really kind of all stemmed from around that time. So we were like nine, 10 around that time. Yeah. And that really had an impact on me. I remember the school, at least where I live too, also started doing the like identification kits where oh, right. you could get fingerprinted and stuff like that. And then they would have that on file. I don't right. know where in the police station. Right. I guess. I, yeah. <laughs> um, but that was like, you know, kind of one of the things that I got interested in. And I think it was really not a fascination with uh, like the gruesomeness of it. Right. It was more for me, like, how can I understand this so that it doesn't ever happen to me right. or make sure that people that I love aren't ever in a position of having something like this happen. Of course, right. when you're a kid, you don't, you know, understand that th- there's, there's nothing that they probably could have done differently really, right. you know, because that's not what they were 
aware of. Right. Um, But anyway, that really stuck out to me. And then, you know, like the pictures on the back of the milk cartons Mm -hmm. of missing kids. And that just became such a a thing that I think we were a lot more aware of, like in the 80s. That's kind of where it started. And then when I was in high school, I went to high school in Yorktown, Virginia. Mm -hmm. And while I was in school were these murders that happened on the Colonial Parkway. Oh, which has still not been solved to this day. Oh, wow. And so that was a lot, you know, it was sort of in the awareness mm-hmm. in school because, you know, people would have weird experiences. Apparently, I think one of the theories was that whoever was perpetrating these crimes was um, like impersonating a police officer and pulling people over. And that's how he was gaining access to these. It was, I think, mostly couples that oh, were wow. killed. Um, so anyway, it was kind of like, again, like in my face, you know, <laughs> right. so, it's real. It's not a, just a story or a movie. It's yeah. yeah, it's close to home. Yeah. And so, you know, growing up, I was always interested in any kind of shows like Unsolved Mysteries. And then I think America's Most Wanted happened yeah. later because that was the John Walsh right. show. The movie that really like cemented my interest <laughs> was Silence of the Lambs. Oh, And I just was riveted by the story, but mostly by the Jodie Foster character, Clarice Starling, and what her experience was being a young FBI recruit and then, you know, working with on this case and being part of that um, behavioral science unit. And it just seemed so fascinating and interesting and I thought man that's what I want to do you know and I don't think I really thought about that when I was starting at tech necessarily for school but once I started taking sociology anyway it goes deep and it goes way back well I have a very cool name drop for the silence of the lambs Um, and I don't know if I've shared this story with you before when I worked at the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children um, our missing children's director used to be one of the training directors at the behavioral sciences unit ah. in Quantico. And ah. he was in Silence of the Lambs. Ooh. The very, very beginning. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was really cool because uh, actually to meet him, you would think he was just this super intense you know, like with all those FBI accolades and mm-hmm. things, um, but he couldn't have been the nicest person, uh, <laughs> just a genuine, caring kind of person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was in Silence of the Lambs, so I always think of uh, think of him when <laughs> someone brings that up. I'm like, yes, I knew one of the quote unquote actors. You know, especially when you have something so far like out there Mm -hmm. and you try to want to understand how does someone think that way? How do they act that way? You know, what motivates them? And I think that's really what's, you know, yeah, from there's a prevention aspect of it. I don't want to be a victim of, but then there's also just this fascination with why people do what they do. And, and how do law enforcement figure it out? I mean, to me, that whole like procedural part of it and understanding you know, people, I think a lot of times think now about like DNA and forensics and stuff like that. Yeah. But even just like the run of the mill, you know, shoe leather <laughs> detective right. kind of stuff. I find all of that just so fascinating and, and right. things that you wouldn't even think of that could lead you to figure out who perpetrated a crime. Right. Um, I, I just find all of that really fascinating. So I, 
I think a lot of people do. A lot of women do. I mean, statistically, it's a lot of women that are really, really interested in true crime. And I, I feel like some of that must stem from just, you know, being in a position in society where you're more likely to be the victim Correct. of a violent crime. And so understanding, you know, what it's all about and how to keep yourself safe, I think is part of the draw, at least. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with you. What, what's been on your list lately? What have you been? Years ago, I don't even remember when it was. It must have been, I don't know what the year was. It must have been 2015, maybe, when um, I first listened to the first podcast that I ever listened to, which was Serial. Which was, I think, a lot of people's introduction to podcast, period, but definitely to true crime podcast. So for better or for worse, whatever you think about Serial, that story of um, Heyman Lee was the victim and um, Adnan Syed was the supposedly the person who perpetrated the crime. And Serial was a podcast about that case, about kind of understanding some of the um, technological forensics like cell phone data and things like that that that, peop- that the police were able to use to try to solve that crime, but also about, you know, the possibility and the potential for wrongful conviction. Yeah. And so, you know, you can have your own opinion about whether or not you think Adnan was wrongfully convicted, but the point, I think, of the podcast was to lay all the facts out as the host saw them, and then for you to kind of come to your own conclusion and maybe even intrigue you enough to research it a little bit yourself. You know, that kind of got me interested in podcasts. I started listening to other podcasts that I heard about on, you know, that podcast or from friends. Um, So I have a wide range of podcasts that I'm interested in that I like and that I listen to. Some of them are more serious. Some of them are more comedy some of them have nothing to do with true crime (laughs) you know because I don't want to only listen to that but because I'm so interested in it it is a lot of what I listen to yeah um and then you know there's tons of documentaries and you know I think a lot of the streaming platforms have a lot of documentaries or even regular series on true crime I think um the ID channel and even oxygen, I think kind of really got into that. So there's so many shows. Some of them are terrible and exploit, exploitive, exploitative, (laughs) however you pronounce that word. I'm with you. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But there are some really good ones. I watched a couple weeks ago, although I think it's been out for a while. The, um, Boston Marathon bombing. Uh, Netflix has a documentary out about the hunt for the Boston Marathon bombers. Yes, I have that. I have that on my list. You mentioned it to me. Yeah, it it. was fantastic. I mean, it was so interesting. And it's funny because that happened in, you know, fairly recent history, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, so, and I thought I knew a lot about it, but I'm always just fascinated when I watch these documentaries to see so much that, you know, you didn't know all those little details lead to, you know, finding the person and sometimes why things are still unsolved or why they're a cold case. But, right. but that, that particular one is the one I've watched most recently and it was really, really well done. Yeah. And I think that's what, again, goes back to that, you know, why do people do what they do and Mm -hmm. when and one of the first 
real life documentaries that I watched for true crime was The Keepers. Oh yeah, um, which I think is Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the tough thing is that is a cold case, and of course, that's those are so difficult because you just didn't have the level of investigation like mm-hmm. you have now. And um, and that was about a nun that had been murdered, mm-hmm. and um, and it uncovered a child sexual exploitation um, ring within the Catholic Church and in in an area in Baltimore where it was pretty much all Catholic. So mm-hmm. uh, it just had these different layers of you know understanding from a access point you know Mm -hmm. um and how it attracted people that you know wanted to exploit people obviously posing as a person of faith and um but they could in a community that you know again these were this was the 1960s i believe so it was before you know we talked about those things or encouraged kids to come forward and we just didn't think about those things and so it was really interesting to see how easy it was to hide Mm -hmm. and then also be a person that was supposed to be very much favored in a community so no one's going to believe that oh yeah i mean absolutely revered yeah so um so yeah those are just it's really interesting to see like as much as i love dateline and (laughs) um i love law and order and you know all those different things but it is interesting to see sometimes just a real how something played out and to understand you know how people had their abilities you know within their communities to do bad things and yeah um so yeah it's interesting and in that one the keepers one thing i love about that is the 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 women that really pushed that case forward were students of that nun who was murdered and you know how tenacious they were and how they wanted justice for her and they really fought against a system that didn't want to hear about it right and made something happen and they were they were retired i mean so they were much older at this time yeah and and you're right i mean uh watching them kind of pound the pavement if you will and kind of say hey you know we're trying to find out what what happened to her and we were never okay yeah um with with not knowing and Um, we're not gonna just sit back and you know let it go away even though it's scary and this is still the community that we live in right so. And, and then it, what's, you know, great that came out of that, which spoiler alert, uh, the priest, they pretty much think either did it or had a hand in it has been dead for a long time, mm-hmm. but they have found ways to kind of take that story and find that there are still laws out there, uh, that have, um, when, you know, you only have so long to file a claim, you know, or, or, you know, oh, like a statute of limitations. Statute of limitations. Yeah. Thank you. Goodness. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, that those still exist Mm -hmm. and they're very short. Yeah. And for a lot of people who of a certain generation either may not remember or Mm -hmm. they don't realize or they just don't, you know, and so being able to, uh, you know, at least get something positive out of, of, of some of those older stories, Mm -hmm. um, so that it can help people today dealing with some of those crimes. So, yeah. Yep. It's, um, it's fascinating. I think it's, for me, it's that whole, you know, like good versus evil, not being able to stand for injustice. Right. You know? right. I'm actually listening to an audiobook right now that was written by one of the hosts of this podcast that I really like. It's called True Crime Garage. He said something that really rang true for me when he was kind of introducing, you know, why, how he got interested in true crime. I think his father was a detective. Um, But anyway, he was saying, you know, I used to think that I really 
loved a mystery, you know, because he was talking about, you know, how he watched Unsolved Mysteries. And, you know, right. but even before that, he was interested in all kinds of just not even true crime, but just like, like Loch Ness Monster and, yeah. you know, like stuff like that. Yeah. For me, um, it started with Scooby-Doo. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> The mystery machine. That's right. Um, but what he said was, I used to think that I was really interested in, uh, that I was intrigued by mystery. He said, but actually I hate a mystery. And that's what really interests me is because I want to know what happened. Right. I don't want it to be a mystery. I want the facts and I want to know what happened. And when he said that, I was like, you know, I think that's how I feel too on a much smaller scale even, you know, just silly things like around my house, like if uh, I can't find a glass, you know, that I know exists yeah. and it's <laughs> like the spot is missing in the cabinet and where the hell is it? It does not just get up and walk away. I say that to my kids all the time. Well, it didn't just get up and walk away. That's right. It's in this house somewhere. <laughs> but it's it's because of that same instinct around I just can't accept it if I can't understand it. Right. You know, I right. want to just dig and dig and dig until I know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I think that's that's the root of a lot of my interest in it. And also, again, like the safety, but um, just the fascination with how these crimes get solved. And that yeah. can be, you know anything from like witness, you know, accounts or forensics or whatever it turns out to be. I'm fascinated by all of it. Like I never get bored yeah. learning about it. I always feel heartbroken when I hear about a new case that I didn't know about. Right. Um, and because I think another thing about listening to true crime podcasts is a lot of them are, you know, formatted to where they have a new case every week. So you just start to realize after you've been listening for a while, how many victims there are. Right. Um, and, you know, there are cases that everyone has heard of, you know, everybody knows who John Bonet Ramsey is. Right. Everybody knows who, you know, Elizabeth Smart is. Yep. Um, but there are so many cases across the country, across the world. Some of the podcasts that I listen to do international cases, too, that really only the people that are local to that case know anything about yeah. until they start talking about them on these podcasts. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, there's many other formats too, but right. I'm just particularly attuned to podcasts because I like, I can listen to it in the car. I yeah. like the, just the pace and the timing of it. Um, but it just makes you realize that there are a lot of people who, whether, you know, whatever the circumstances are that don't get the same publicity that some other cases get. Mm -hmm. And it just, it it's tough to to realize that not everyone gets the same resources or the same attention or because they all deserve to have that you know they right. all deserve to have an opportunity to have justice right yeah i mean it can be pretty goddamn depressing i yeah. tell you <laughs> so in place of in the zeitgeist today we're going to talk season faves we're gonna share a little bit about what some of our favorite things were this summer and we'll do this again at the end of every season 
So to get us started, Amy, what have you not been able to live without this summer? Oh, well, I definitely have not been able to live without the pool. Uh, It's definitely warm. Uh, That is an understatement. Uh, Even the pool water has been a little too warm. So that's, it's sad when it's so hot outside that your pool is not cool enough to get in. We don't do any type of outdoor activity without first putting on our bathing suits (laughs) and then (laughs) doing said outside activity. I'm talking to you weeds. (laughs) and then jumping in the said pool because we just have to but you know i don't know there's just something meditative too about the pool that i just really like it's a nice calming thing so definitely the pool love it love it okay so one of mine is a new thing for me this summer i've never had this before but i had to get a new car my old car was limping along sadly and (laughs) no longer trustworthy (laughs) But in my new car, I have cooling seats. Yes. Which is like, I've heard of this. I didn't really know how it worked. Yep. I feel now that it should be mandatory in Texas in every car. Right. I mean, when when they first put a heated seats it made perfect sense yeah especially as you get older and you have back problems like it doesn't even have to be cold outside just a (laughs) little bit of heat in the area is great but yes I mean the way it feels especially when you get in you need to be cool all over well and it and it makes it happen more quickly I think that's part of the problem especially because of where we live it's so incredibly hot that you're out of your car for five seconds and you get back in and it's like a sauna right so the quicker you can cool it down, the better. So Love that's it. that's one of mine. Yeah. What else you got? Yay. Um, also exciting was I am a little late to this party. Had the opportunity to go see Book of Mormon for Ooh. the first time, which was hilarious we love a show yes we do uh so yeah it's on tour and i'm sure it has been to dallas before but uh you know luckily sometimes you just have that you know person in your life that nudges you and says hey you want to go do this and you say okay and um (laughs) it was i'm sure it doesn't come without a little bit of controversy uh depending on how you see things but i think there was a great understory to it that um, I think everybody could resonate with as far as how you treat people and um, humankind. And so it was just a really great, great oh. show. So I would encourage everyone to go see it. Well, I definitely want to see it. That's one show that I haven't seen that I've been hearing about for years and always good things. Um, so yeah, we'll have to check it out. Well, my next one is Homegrown. <laughs> and no, it's not um, anything that you can smoke. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's disappointing. <laughs> But I've really gotten into making homemade pizzas this summer. Oh, cool. And my kids love them. We go a little crazy with our little uh, inventions, but I always do like a basic pepperoni, but we've been doing barbecue chicken pizza, and we even did a chicken pesto pizza, which was a little intimidating, but I actually really loved it. It was like chicken, pesto, a couple different kinds of cheese, some bell peppers. Mm, it was delicious. Oh, that sounds good. But I think the winner is the barbecue chicken pizza. At least for my youngest, who you would think would go for the pepperoni. I mean, yeah, it's a classic. But she asks for the barbecue chicken every week. Well, I will tell you, though, that's uh, secretly on my store list for after this podcast, is um, air fryer pizzas. Ooh. Like little mini air fryer that you use biscuits, like you slice the biscuits. Ah. I'm going to try it. I put the ingredients. I'll let you know. All right. All right. Lastly, 
we watch a lot of television. I don't apologize for it. Um, I like it. It's it's my vice. Um, but uh, and you know sometimes summer is usually not the time when all the big hits come out. But I've noticed that we've shifted a little bit lately in kind of introducing some good programming. And I mean, who is not a fan of Idris Elba? Oh, come on. So we watched Hijack, which was great and you know so much about it but I haven't seen it yet yeah sometimes it's just good to watch something that's really only intended to last that one and done season because I feel like then there's no like oh we made it go too long or Mm -hmm. we didn't fill in the gaps we didn't tell the whole story it's almost like watching a movie kind of play out a little bit longer um but uh, it was a really intelligent story and the eye candy wasn't bad either so uh. <laughs> well you really can't go wrong in the Idris Elba department no you cannot <laughs> all right last for me this is the big one okay drum roll we could probably double this as in the zeitgeist <laughs> The Taylor Swift eras tour of it all. Tell me all about (laughs) it. So we had a situation where I have two daughters. Mm -hmm. Both are Swifties. I would consider myself a Swiftie as well. Good. Um, Biggest Swiftie of them all in our family, though, my niece. Oh, okay. um, Who lives in New York. She's not here in Texas with us, but she's really the one who, her and uh, my sister, her mom, are the ones that really got me into Taylor Swift. Yeah. Um, So we love a Taylor Swift around here. (laughs) Um, So when the Eras tour was announced, I think my oldest had done something, ordered something along the way. I don't remember exactly how this played out, but she was able to get like a pre-sale code for tickets back in the fall. So I logged in. Of course you did. With God and everybody (laughs) trying to get a ticket. Of course, I sat in front of my computer for eight hours. I had my macbook on one side of my desk my work laptop on the other i was having work meetings i was keeping my colleagues apprised of my status in line for the tickets long story short i did not get a ticket that day um but my oldest daughter had a friend who got tickets for christmas and very generously invited her to go so she was all set yeah me and my younger daughter it was looking like yeah, uh, you were going to watch we gonna be excerpts out. on We were going to be live streaming. YouTube. And exactly. <laughs> good luck to you. But a couple weeks before the show, I don't know what happened. I just got a wild hair and I was like, you know what? I'm not missing this concert. Yeah. So I went back and checked to see if there were any tickets because there's always tickets. Well, and there's always somebody who wanted to go, but because you had to buy them so early at the last minute, they're like, I can't do it. Right. Or, you know. So I cashed in some, uh, <laughs> took a second mortgage, <laughs> took a second mortgage, um, sold some organs. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm Donated kidding. plasma. Um, but I decided to, you know, this is a once in a lifetime kind yeah. of thing. And so I got tickets for myself and for my younger daughter. And I really wanted to get a ticket for my niece to come too, but she couldn't come because she had to work. Um, later, she did end up going to oh, see the awesome. show in yeah. New York. So all was not lost yeah. for her. Um, but anyway, we went and it was just, I'll never forget it. I don't think my kids will ever forget it. Yeah, because this wasn't just a show. Right. I mean, this was... This mean, was... She does not disappoint. No. I mean, this was over three hours of her... Just the energy, the choreography, the costumes, the lighting. I mean, you could not not enjoy 
this concert. Yeah. I certainly did not see anybody who didn't look like they were having a good time. Of course. Of and course. that was part of the fun of it too, was everybody dressed up in like yeah. whatever era they wanted to represent and people made friendship bracelets and everyone was That's sharing so cool. friendship bracelets. It was just a night to remember. And we saw it kind of early on in the tour, in the run of the U S part of the tour, which is now just wrapped up this past week. Yeah. Um, so we still didn't know a lot about what to expect, right. you know, because now you could kind of see a lot of things online and you sort of know what's going to happen. And um, I don't think that takes anything away from it, though, for people who went later on because it was just such an amazing experience. So anyway, shout out to Taylor for giving us a really, really great fun night and something that we'll never forget. That's Definitely. The, that's the summer, folks. That was the summer. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us and give us a good rating wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Hush My Mouth Pod. Bye. Bye. Hush my mouth. I won't be able to. <laughs> um, hush. I can't do it. <laughs>